Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Movie Chatter. This is episode number 184. I'm Eric, and I'm joined tonight by my co-hosts, Lou and Robin. Lou, how are you doing? I'm doing great. All right. Robin, what about you? I'm here and ready to do this, people. Yeah, I, I understand you're very ready to do this. We had a special request from one of our audience members that uh, we we engage in more debates and and such in the show. Actually, I think his words were something along the lines of you guys should tear each other apart violently or, or something like that. And this may be the episode in which that happens. Because I'm kind of a pacifist, though. I don't, you know. I'm going to accommodate. Yeah, well, I think Robin's okay. going to pass a fist at one of us here. <laughs> uh, so this week we are covering The Cabin in the Woods by Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard, which is one of my personal favorite horror movies of all time. And, uh, and I'll explain why in the episode. And so I suckered Robin into watching this. And I think, Lou, you had already seen this before, right? Yes. Yes, I had. Okay. And in general, what are your thoughts on the film? Are you a fan? Yeah, I'm a fan. Um, I, uh, I, I, I think it came up on my radar without really knowing what it was about. And mm-hmm. I, I happened to catch it after it was out of its uh, movie you know, run in the theaters. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I liked the fresh take on horror and kind of the poking fun at it, but uh, giving, still giving you a little bit of a scare, too. Right, right. Uh, none of the three of us here are really into horror films, as a rule. So uh, we should point that out in advance. I will say that what caught my eye about this movie, I was watching the trailer, and I knew that this was supposed to have been a Joss Whedon film, and uh, it was him and Drew Goddard threw it together in, I guess, a weekend. The the script, anyway. Yeah. Yep. They went out to a hotel somewhere. Uh, I think it was during the writer's strike or shortly before or after. And they cranked out the script in a weekend. And so I was curious about it because I'm a Whedon fan. And I started to watch the trailer and I'm like, eh, okay, not, not really my thing, but whatever. And then you get the scene of them driving up the mountain and, and through the through the little um, tunnel in the side of the mountain. And then there's an eagle flying by and it kind of pans around. And then all of a sudden this eagle hits this invisible barrier that kind of becomes slightly visible as it hits it. And, and the eagle just kind of disintegrates. And I thought, ooh, there, there's something more going on here. And I went to see it in the theaters. And I loved it. I feel like it throws a lot of the tropes and stereotypes on its head. And I thought it was a clever take on horror movies. And I thought the plot was interesting and it wasn't overly gratuitous. And I liked the story, which is rare for me in a horror movie. And I am really scared to throw the microphone over over to Robin. But Robin, (laughs) you have been quite the sport so far this month because while Lou and I don't really care for horror movies, I I feel like you care for them even less than he and I do. And uh, you've done, you've been pretty brave. I mean, we did watch The Greatest Showman, which, but we had to sit through one movie. You have braved A Quiet Place Mm -hmm. and Dale and Tucker versus Evil. Sight unseen. Mm-hmm. 
Sight unseen. Sight unseen. And, and you did that for us. And now you've watched The Cabin mm-hmm. in the Woods. Why don't you give us your initial, in a nutshell, take on this movie while I go so, run and hide? <laughs> duck and cover, people. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, um, which is different from Tail and Ducker, but D- Ducker and uh, <clears throat> Tucker and Dale. But easy for you to say. It is easy for me to say. So here's the thing I'm half a fan. Half of the movie. Loved it, loved it, loved it. The words clever absolutely describe it. Um, horror along the lines of, of stuff that I can handle, although I did have to watch a, a, I did have to laugh. I did have to watch a laugh out loud comedy after I watched this movie. Um, <laughs> she was traumatized. I was. The, um, there was the, the huge piece of it, which didn't hang for me, was the ending. And I'm sure we're going to start to talk about that. So you've got two and a half fans out of three here of this movie. <clears throat> okay. All but right. I love the well, cast. The cast was great. Let's talk about the cast a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, let's talk about the cast. We have uh, Chris, Chris Hemsworth is probably the most well-known member of the cast. Uh, he is one of the college kids. So, so well, let's, uh, we should probably give a brief description first. Sure. So the description here in the show notes, uh, Robin, where did you acquire this from? This is the IMDb description. Okay. So five friends go for a break at a remote cabin where they go for, no, where yeah, they go for a break. That. More, okay. That's okay. <laughs> where they get more than they bargained for discovering there the truth is. behind the cabin in the woods. Now it, it's hard because you don't want to describe too much about this movie because part of the basic premise of this film is what makes it so clever. And if you go in sight unseen, it's a little bit better. Um, I will, to give a, my own non-spoilery take on it, I will say that it's a presentation of the type of horror movie that we're very used to until you realize that there's something much deeper going on behind the scenes and that the manipulations that are going on of the environment are unexpected. Mm-hmm. And you are basically watching people watch a horror movie. Mm. And then as the movie goes on, you, you learn the intentions and motivations for, for the entire scenario, but I'll leave it at that for now. Everything from this point on is going to include spoilers. So if you haven't watched the movie yet, pause the podcast. Hopefully you've got a lot of battery life. Uh, go watch the movie and then come back and resume the podcast at this point. I think that most people, if you like the trailer for this movie, you will probably like the movie. And if not, you will at least appreciate some of it and will appreciate the rest of the conversation that's about to occur. So, mm-hmm. yeah, And I think you got to strongly recommend that, you know, if you haven't seen the movie, you know, definitely watch it without doing the spoiler stuff we're going to talk about here because yeah, yeah. It, it'll ruin the first viewing of the movie. It will. It will. Don't, don't say, well, I can handle some spoilers and normally they're pretty good about right. not ruining things. So I'll go ahead and listen to the rest of the show. Now we are going to spoil the heck out of this one. Yeah. Okay. So that so being my said, favorite character. Yes. You want to know? I do. Bradley Whitford. Of course. Of course. Of course. Now, Are you kidding? Bradley Whitford. So 
we, we should run down the cast. There, there are what five college kids that go out to this cabin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yep. primary character, arguably, is Dana, played by Kristen Connolly, and she's mm-hmm. been in a couple of other things. Let me pull up her IMDb page here. She was in The Happening and the TV series Zoo. And those are probably the two things people would know her from the most. Maybe House of Cards. I think she was, it says she was in seven episodes of that. Uh, yeah, that, th- those are probably the most prominent roles for her. So she's the main character. Uh, Kurt, played by Chris Hemsworth. Kurt is the jock, but he's not the stereotypical jock. He's a sociology major. He's actually nice to his friends. Yes. As opposed to the jocks in most horror movies. Uh, He's actually a nice guy. Mm -hmm. You've got Jules, played by Anna Hutchison, who is not a blonde bimbo. In fact, she's not even a blonde until the beginning of the movie when she dyes her hair for some random reason that we discover later in the movie. And Mm -hmm. uh, she is a a, a bit book smart. She's a good student. Mm -hmm. You've got Holden, played by Jesse Williams. That is Kurt's friend, who is being introduced and kind of set up with Dana. And uh, then you've got Marty, played by Joss Whedon favorite, Fran Kranz, who if you've ever seen the series Dollhouse, you will remember Right. Fran, very, very well. He's a fun actor. He plays kind of the druggy, hippie mm-hmm. kind of guy, uh, but he does it really well in every role he's in. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But then there are things going on underneath the surface, literally and figuratively. And <laughs> for those, we get them from the perspective of uh, Stitterson, played by Richard Jenkins who people may recognize from a few other things, as well as Hadley played, as you said, Robin, by Bradley Mm -hmm. Whitford, Mm -hmm. who is yet another one of those actors where you've seen him in a billion different things and you probably have no idea who this guy is. (laughs) Unless you're a huge fan of West Wing. Yes. And Get Out. Yes. Great actor. Just to stop you guys for a minute, going through the cast, um, you know, Fran, who did the stoner thing, mm-hmm. did a really good job in the movie. And and I think it was hysterical. I was looking through um, some of the trivia stuff on IMDb today. And it says, he received extensive prop and behavioral training in order to capture the stoner persona of Marty. He received a two-hour joint rolling session and a separate bong lighting session from consultant experts. I'm like, really? <laughs> he seems like such a natural at it. You assume that he's not even playing a character, that this is just how Fran is at home. Mm-hmm. You know? I just I just wonder how they advertised for, we need some experts in this field to teach our actors how to do this stuff. Well, and mm-hmm. I'm wondering what the call sheets looked like when they said, we're, we're looking for an actor who's willing to learn everything there is about smoking reefer. <laughs> I wonder how many thousands of people they had show up for the... Oh, I could do that, man. Uh, okay, so that's the cast. Those are the characters. Now, oh boy, where to even begin with this? Well, I guess the metadata. It was directed by Drew Goddard, who has uh, also done a bunch of stuff. I should have already pulled up his IMDb page here. Um, pulling that up right now. He is also known for... Uh, Lost. He was a producer on Lost. He's a producer on the Daredevil series on Netflix. 
a producer for The Martian. Um, Bad Times at the El Royale for something more recent. The Good Place on television, which is a phenomenal series, in my opinion. Uh, he was a producer on Alias. And uh, he has a few directing credits. He also did uh, a couple of episodes of The Good Place, and he did Bad Times at the El Royale. And he's going to be doing the X-Force movie coming up. He has 17 writing credits, including uh, Robopocalypse, based on a very popular novel. And again, The Defenders, Daredevil, The Martian, World War Z, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Lost, Alias, Angel. So... And, and this was his directorial debut. Mm-hmm. That is correct. This movie came out in April of 2012. It's rated R. It is 95 minutes in length, $30 million budget. It has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, which for a horror movie is really good. It opened with $14.7 million for a domestic gross of $42 million and a global of $66 million. It was not all that popular in the theaters. It didn't really hit its stride until after it hit home theater. Joss Whedon well, was talking... Oh, go ahead. I would argue that um, that's a, that's a, this would be what I would call one of those uh, movies that have a cult following. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and um, I, I appreciate those kinds of movies. And, you know, if it truly, if you hadn't, if you hadn't challenged me, you know, if we hadn't thrown down the greatest showman musical <laughs> gauntlet mm-hmm. there and you hadn't challenged me to, um, to watch some of these films, this would not have been, you know, top on my hit list. If someone said to me, you no. know, gee, um, you're interested in film, you're doing a film podcast and, you know, you're, you're teaching these intro classes, you know, you should probably watch some horror. I would have gone back and probably watched the Halloween series or, you know, right. something like, like that. Um, right. so, so, it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it, that it didn't do well at the theater doesn't surprise me, but, um, that it, it probably has a, a very large cult following. Um, yes. yeah, it doesn't surprise me either. You know, that's one of the things that I want us to be doing with movie chatter is to take things that people might not be familiar with, introduce them to people, and we might not all like them. Mm-hmm. And, but that's okay because hopefully there's some sort of discussion that we can have about them. And I think this movie, whether you like it or not, there are things to discuss. And mm-hmm. it's outside of people's comfort zones to a certain extent. And yet it's still relevant enough in pop culture in the sense that people are familiar with Joss Whedon. It's mm-hmm. uh, relatively recent. People know who Chris Hemsworth is. There are, it's not some obscure French subtitled black and white noir film. Like people can get into this possibly. So it's not so far outside the mainstream as to alienate our audience. So, and yet a lot of our audience might not have seen it. So that's one of the things we want to do with movie chatter is try mm-hmm. to introduce things that are relevant to you that you might not have noticed. It might've slipped off of your radar. And I think that this film fits that category really well. Joss Whedon, of course, needs no introduction. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Firefly and Serenity, mm-hmm. the first Avengers movie. I mean, he is in his own right, a cult classic himself. So yeah, he's done a few things. Yeah, mm-hmm. a couple of things. He he has two or three fans. So Joss Whedon was talking about the movie, 
And there's a quote here that I want to read. This is from, I think I got this from Wikipedia. So there's a source on it somewhere. I just was lazy and didn't grab the source. He says, it's a serious critique of what we love and what we don't about horror movies. I love being scared. I love that mixture of thrill, of horror, that object, objectification slash identification thing of wanting definitively for the people to be all right, but at the same time hoping they'll go somewhere dark and face something awful. The things that I don't like are kids acting like idiots, the devolution of the horror movie into torture porn, and into a long series of sadistic comeuppances. Drew and I mm. both felt that the pendulum had swung a little too far in that direction. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. agree with that. Most more modern horror films are torture porn. I mean, there's a whole subgenre now called torture porn. And it, it's, I find, I mean, I, I don't mean to alienate some of our listeners who like that, but on a personal level, I find it superficial. I find it lacking in any real substance other than perhaps production. Yeah, there's no depth to it. There, there's no storytelling. Well, and, and a lot of those movies had their, you know, the first one of each series has been, was good, I thought, in a lot of the cases. It's just when they do the third and fourth and fifth versions of them, and it's just all the same kind of, yeah. you know, just torture porn. It's like, no, nah, I don't want to see that. You know, it's like the first one was good. Leave it at that. We don't need to keep going back to that same well and drying it up. Right, right. And, and like this movie, this is not the type of movie I think you could do a sequel to because this movie was about the revelation of the concepts lying underneath the film. Once those are revealed, doing another one of these feels silly. Mm -hmm. Not that you really could do a sequel after the ending, but, but we'll come mm, back yeah. to that. So I think they succeeded, though. I and mean, this is a type of horror movie that is... <laughs> Outside of the box, it's smart. It's a smart horror film. And I like the fact that it throws all of these tropes on its head. I, I talked earlier about the fact that one of the main characters, uh, Kurt, the jock, they always play a very traditional role in the horror films. They're a jerk. They get drunk. They treat their, their friends like crap and et cetera. And when they get to the cabin and they have the game of truth or dare late at night and they all get drunk, he starts acting exactly like that. Mm -hmm. And Jules, the very studious, uh, formerly brunette character, <laughs> is now blonde. And, and we find that they planted the hair dye in her room back at school. This was all orchestrated by the organization that we're going to talk about in a minute. And now she's a bimbo. And the, the pheromones and the chemicals that they are, the organization is pumping into the cabin is turning these characters into these stereotypes. All except Marty. Because Marty is so stoned that these chemicals aren't having any effect on him. So the stoner, the stupid guy who normally wouldn't be able to to find a building if he were inside of one <laughs> manages to figure the whole thing out mm -hmm. everything in this movie is turned on its head and i like that so the or organization i i love how they or i'm not even sure what they refer to themselves as but uh, i'm not sure they ever did yeah 
Checking. Okay. Robin started to speak, so I shut up because... Sorry. When Robin <laughs> speaks, people listen. She's going to throw down. Hey, could yeah. you tell my faculty that? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, so they basically... The premise is that we don't really find out until the end of the movie where out of the blue, Sigourney Weaver walks in and explains it to us. Now, not fully. We, we still don't truly understand what's going on or where these ancients come from, but there are ancients underneath the Mm -hmm. earth and they demand sacrifices. And in various different places around the globe, there are scenarios like this. For example, we get to see a little bit of one in Japan that kind of taps into the more Japanese traditional horror movies. And the ancients require sacrifices that fit particular, like there's a thing they want to see and they keep talking about the audience being the ancients and making sure that they play along to the storyline that the ancients want to see. Right. Such as the manipulation and and the chemicals that are being pumped in and, and things like that. So if the ancients don't get appeased, then the ancients wake up and, and destroy the world. Well, it turns out this this particular year, all of the different places around the globe have uh, the people have succeeded in solving the puzzle and saving themselves except Japan and the U S and then later in the movie, the Japanese schoolgirls end up breaking out of the scenario they're in. So it's just these characters left. These characters have to fail and die in order to save the world. Robin, do you have something? I do. It, it is actually called, believe it or not, the organization. It's the organization. I am just that good. You're just that good. I am that good. It's the organization, the facility, and the ancient ones. Go, go, go. Wow. The only thing I did wrong is I didn't capitalize the word organization in the show notes. That's right. Wow. I am so good. Yes. So, again, to kind of spoil things, because at this point you should have already watched the movie, we have the cabin above and the cabin below or below the cabin, rather, which is where the compound is. And in the cabin itself, the kids are lured into the cellar filled with all of these different things that Kurt's cousin didn't actually acquire. These must have been left there before Kurt's cousin, who might not even exist, Mm. ended up getting the cabin. And they each pick up different things. I kind of wanted to see the little puzzle globe, the (laughs) Hellraiser-like Thing yeah, yeah, yep. That that Kurt picked up, but they each picked up a different artifact, and they started getting entranced by it. And it happened to be that uh, what's the lead character's name? Dana. Dana. That mm-hmm. Dana started talking first after picking hers up, and that was the journal. Mm-hmm. The diary. Yeah. And, yep. You know what I thought was really cool about that was when you know they're all down there, and at this point the stoners going why don't we go back upstairs? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he's, right. he doesn't want to be out anymore. And, and then, you know, as she's reading and she's like, look, there's Latin. He, he says something like, you know, let's draw a line in the sand right here. Now it's not read yes. the Latin. And then you hear this voice like ethereally in the background going, read it. And it's like, he's like, look, read going, what, it what happened? Wait, wait, where's that coming? No one else is seeing that or hearing that. Right. And it says it again. And he's like, what, this is really wrong. You know, it's like, he's like you said before, he figures it out and he's got these, you know, this sixth sense almost about it going, you know, something isn't right here. You know, we should all stick together. And then all of a sudden it. there's a pause and he swoons a little bit. 
the smartest thing to do would be to split up. And Marty's like, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, now don't forget, you know, there's, there's this, there's this huge manipulation that's happening and I found it, um, um, very refreshing to see a character that in larger society, we would either, um, frown on or make the assumption that this person's not going anywhere that, you know, this person is, is obviously either escaping or, simply just enjoying the hedonistic pleasures of whatever this this life can provide. And yet he is the person who listens to his intuition. He is the person who draws people to action um, and ultimately survives because he is in this altered state. Right. You know, he is not in his right mind and not being in his right mind as as the one of the lab assistants um, sort of points out. Uh, is immune to the machinations of uh-huh. of the organization. I I do think that there is brilliant writing happening in this movie. That there was um, brilliant and clever directing. I do think that the story, however, lost me the minute you cross that threshold out of manipulated and manipulated to this ancients religious um thing that somehow exists to infanticize humans and and make us you know somehow subservient to whatever their will is without a a a, a good counterpart usually good versus evil has good there um and that was True. never explained that was never explained for me so is the theme here good versus evil or is it I mean you can almost argue that there are some aspects of man versus self in it too or maybe man versus man but I I get what you're saying you're right there is no really good counterpart other than perhaps arguably the humans themselves mm. um yeah, the characters of the story, the ones that they're manipulating. Which, uh, of course, are overwhelmed in comparison to the ancients. So, I mean, they don't really have much of a, a chance in the first place. Um, but then also, what what defines success? I mean, did the humans win in the end in the sense that they put a stop to it and they're no longer willing to be manipulated, even if that means their death? Like, it, which is more valuable to the continuing to survive or the putting your foot down and saying, no, I'm, I'm going to hold on to my integrity. Screw you. I mean, obviously we have, we have an instinct to survive. So that seems like the obvious answer, but the other answer is legitimate, at least if not ideal. Yeah, but there was no counterpart to the, the ancients were evil. They're described as evil. Their whole Mm -hmm. intent is to destroy the human race. So they won. Right. So in this particular um, cult classic here, um, the evil wins. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not OK with that. Kind of not OK with that. Uh, you know, see, I don't have to have the good ending every single time. Yeah, okay. I, I find that boring. I, I sometimes I like it when the bad guys win. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's different. It's, it's not the the norm. Here's here's my thing with the ending. I, I agree with. 
um, at least an aspect of what Robin is trying to get. I don't think this is Robin's point per se, but a side effect of the point that Robin's making. I don't like good losing and evil winning. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's going to happen, I at least want to see a, a pretty intense battle between good and evil. Uh, but there is a satisfying element of the ending in the sense that the characters that we've been rooting for, the heroes, mm-hmm. they know what the stakes are. They know the consequences of the decision they're about to make. And they choose. So in the end, they win on some level in the sense that they feel like they didn't sacrifice their humanity for the sake of continuing to survive. They went out the way they chose to go out. She could have killed them. Um, and even after the whole werewolf thing, there was still an opportunity for her to kill him. They chose not to. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it is satisfying in the sense that they won out in their personal battle. They, they succeeded in their minds and that didn't get stolen from them in the end where, you know, you get the, this uh, again, another horror movie stereotype, the good guys win until just before the credits and the guy comes up from out of the ground and slits their throat open and then roll credits. Like it, it that's a cheat to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this didn't feel like a cheat. The characters, mm-hmm. They succeeded. Might not have been the decision I would have made, but they made their choice knowingly and they were content with the decision they made. Now, let me ask you a question. At what point in the movie did it lose you, Robin? Where, I mean, I I know what you're saying that you didn't get the explanation for who they were, where they were all of a sudden turned into this other thing. But where in the in the storyline did it start to fall apart for you big time? Um, I I think for me it 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 fell apart when um all of the monsters were released and okay so so that's pretty late in the story that is so, late so, in the story so so it's after the celebration when they were you know celebrating the win when it really hadn't happened yet. Right, right. But now, even before that, though, I mean, they, they were talking about the ancients. They, they was at one little scene when, when the first guy, or when, when the first woman died, they said a little prayer, you know. And it, it, so there was all that going on ahead of time. Did, did, that, did that not give you enough to set the tone of what was going to come up later on? It, it, it gave me enough to allow me to, in my head, explore the different directions that this this group could take. In other words, they could simply just be, um, uh, you know, sort of a, a mob that controls, right. And people pay in to watch these things happening. In fact, it, at first they sort of alluded to, um, Hey, there's uh there's people watching or there, mm-hmm. or somebody's watching. We have to, we have right. to make this good. Right. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. this other country always beats us and, you know, we're going to bring the pain. We got this this time. Right. And yep. th- those kinds of things held me, um, because I really felt like this was a man-made, um, a man-made thing happening that somehow was going to be figured out. And, and I wanted it to be the social political experiment that I thought was unfolding. And 
when I finally figured out that truly they were trying to appease, quote unquote, the gods, um, it, it left it there for me. It no longer became this very interesting story where I was rooting for the girl or Marty. Um, I, you know, at one point I was rooting for for um, Bradley Whitford's character. Uh, we oh, yeah. just had it. Yeah, I, 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 I really mean, was. they were relatable. I, I liked them. They were hmm. very yeah, relatable. They were. Yeah. Um, I wanted you, it, him to win. So it sounds like when it it when it was revealed that it was actually about supernatural stuff mm-hmm. instead of a sociopolitical thing or a man-made sort of thing, that's where it it disappointed you. Yeah, how right? I would have even oh, heck, sorry. Um, I would have <laughs> even taken on the podcast. That's fine. <laughs> I would have even taken aliens at that point. I okay. would have taken we're appeasing the aliens versus we're we're appeasing we're appeasing some evil that um, holds up the planet that that ultimately wants to destroy us because yeah yeah my my own spirituality doesn't go there so sure. um and that's where it just kind of went oh come on that that's like um, the crackerjack box ending. Yeah, you know, it just, it just, it, it just hung there for me. And, and as I was explaining earlier, kind of ruined the movie for me. The thing that didn't ruin the movie, which is, you know, sort of the movies all coming back to me as we're talking about it, um, is really the acting. And in, you know, and you all know, um, in a lot of the episodes, I'm the one who holds up the director as Mm -hmm. the, the person who's carrying things for me. For me, it was totally the opposite. It was the acting and the writing that carried this movie for me. But before we come back to that, Mm -hmm. um, I have two things I want to say about the the theme, uh, the the nature of the conflict in this. Um, One in which I'm going to make a counterpoint to what you just said. They kind of painted themselves into a corner in the sense that if they're going to have this collection of horror movie monsters, which I appreciate that, that I think for me, that's part of, I liked the concept of them having all of these creatures on reserve and Mm -hmm. the characters end up kind of choosing their own fate and their own struggle that they get themselves into and to me, that's one of the really interesting things about this movie. I'm, I've gone through like there's a book that was released of like a guide to all of the different individual monsters that mm-hmm. were oh, in really? this. And like it's a gallery of every horror movie trope ever all condensed into one. And then I loved the slaughter that happened at the end where the the organization is the bad guy and you're rooting for the monsters because they're yeah. trapped yeah. And, and they've mm-hmm. been held hostage all this time. You almost felt sorry for him. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, oh. Which again, when do you ever get to see that? But the, the problem with it is in creating those monsters, because some of those monsters are magical or supernatural, you can't really have it be a man-made organization. Like you can't, how would they create a ghost? How would they create? Well, I mean, you could almost come up with some sort of weird thing for the zombies because other zombie movies have done it. But like you couldn't really create some of these conditions for those. 
So I can understand why they ended up going the supernatural route. I think, though, something that adds credence to what you said is it kind of has a Cloverfield effect, right? Mm. In the sense that in the Cloverfield movie, we get the monster Mm -hmm. and we're, we're watching the movie from the point of view of the humans. And that is the point. It's not about the monster. I have friends of mine who hate the movie because there's no explanation of the monster. There was no closure. There was nothing about that. And I, and, you know, Cloverfield wasn't a phenomenal movie, but I, I kept trying to point out, no, it's about the journey of the humans. You're looking at the wrong thing, but you have no idea the motivation behind the monster. It's just there and you're supposed to accept that it's there. But it's hard to get into a movie and a story when there's no explanation of any sort of motivation behind the villain or the evil. Why would they be doing what they're doing? We're just supposed to accept that it's happening. You you get the alien thing in Cloverfield. And if you look at a lot of the meta stuff behind the movie and the Easter eggs and the some of the website marketing stuff, you get the idea that, you know, it crashed into Earth and you can see it in the background in one of the film footage things and it's just it's a baby monster and so it's scared and it's running around like it makes sense after you learn all that extra stuff but it's not really presented in the movie in this movie we have no idea about the ancients we don't know i mean why would they stay underground why do they want to see these sacrifices why do they get so pissed off if they don't get the sacrifices that they kill everybody on earth just wait another year and they'll do it again and then you'll get your sacrifice i mean be patient for crying out loud you're ancient (laughs) so there are some things about that side of the premise that I agree. It it breaks a little bit. And if you can't suspend your disbelief, then it's going to be really hard to enjoy that. And not, listen, we talk a lot about the suspension of disbelief. Not all disbelief in a movie should be suspended. You, the, the storytellers have to earn that. So mm-hmm. the real question is, did they earn that? with any given member of the audience. And for some, it'll be yes. And for some, it'll be no. And for the people who the answer is no, that's a legitimate mm-hmm. response. There's nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> the expectation that you're automatically going to suspend disbelief is erroneous. That That's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. It has to be earned. So that those are my mm-hmm. responses to, to that. I think those are, are really good points. And I've never really heard that perspective before, but it, that makes sense. I could see where that could break the movie for someone. But the acting. Uh, we also didn't mention uh, Amy Acker is in this as well. She's been in some other Joss Whedon pro- projects. Uh, she's currently in The mm-hmm. Gifted uh, on Fox. Right. Yep. Uh, I, I can't a really small role. Th- yeah, a small role. But it was good. Uh, the guy that played Mordecai was disturbing (laughs) enough. Like like the acting in this movie, there's not really any bad roles. But, but I have to tell you that, that you have this, this harbinger of, of, you know, this religious zealot who ushers the, you know, tries to warn them sort of, Mm. he actually, it's a warning that's with the same. He was called, he was called the Harbinger. He was so, called yeah. the Harbinger, yeah. yes. He, he ushers the, the same kind of, you know, challenge that you all gave to me. Basically, like, you know, you know, don't go there, but go there. Like, like we want you to go right, there. I want right, you to go right. there. You got to go there. Um, but, but, you know, at the same time, they, they wove in stuff that made it 
lighthearted and mm-hmm. funny and you know you you talk, you talk about the guys at the, at the organization yes. and you know they, they're a typical office it felt like you know it's like okay they're just going to right. work that's their job and they've got mordecai on speakerphone yes <laughs> and and he, they're laughing at him he's got this you know he's doing the whole biblical type you know the sheep have entered you know, the threshing exactly, floor yeah. and, and the like, blood wait, wait, will am run I on speakerphone am i on speakerphone no, <laughs> no don't don't he goes, oh i'm sorry I, I didn't mean to do i'm sorry and, you know, okay you're off now and he's still on he keeps talking and he's like i am still on speakerphone all right <laughs> That was great. And there were so many moments in the movie mm-hmm. where you get, again, you get these stereotypes and it's so predictable. And you're, oh my gosh, you're almost on the verge of eye rolling. And then it cuts to something funny that, that breaks that tension. And mm-hmm. it, another thing was, um, well, again, with, with the selection of what the, the bad guy was going to be. She's reading from the diary. She read, right. don't read the Latin. She reads the Latin and all of a sudden we get the creature coming up from out of the ground and you're just sitting there like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I get it. And then click and it breaks away to, oh, okay. It looks like maintenance won the betting pool. Congratulations, right. everybody else. You're right, going to have to right. wait until next year. We're so sorry. Please clean up your mess after you're done. Like yeah. it just Maintenance That's and the so intern. well done. I love that. <laughs> right. The right. timing of yep. those moments. Yep. It's perfect. To, you know, like, they do that, and then you think, okay, that, that, that's funny. But then they go a step up when the other one's gone. She comes in. She goes, no, no, wait. I, I had zombies. He's like, no, 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 no. Uh, you yep. had zombie, and this is zombie family horror torture, whatever, you know, right. whatever it was. And, and right. she's like, oh, and she's like, it's like you know, elephant and elephant seal, different species. Yeah, you know? two different species. <laughs> like, That's we're awesome. sorry. And just, you know, and she's like, oh, okay. And she walks away kind of dejected, like, oh, yeah, I lost. And it's totally not. I mean, she is not wrong. And his explanation was horrible, but <laughs> you kind of felt bad for her. But yeah, that's the thing. It it makes it so that you you never get too wrapped up in the stereotypes because it keeps breaking back to the organization and the things going on there. Um, I I think for me, that's probably one of the best things about this film is the writing. It was clever and the timing mm-hmm. of these reveals mm-hmm. was executed in such a way that the emotional ride throughout the film was so unique. You don't the, the movie it follows the stereotype of horror movies of setting your emotions up in certain ways, but then it just immediately sidetracks you when you're not expecting it in a way that works. It doesn't break it a- along the journey, but you're just not used to it, mm-hmm. and you're never really sure what it is you're supposed to be feeling at any given moment. And the organization are obviously the bad guys. And yet you feel for them. Are and they, they l- are they the bad guys? See, even in that, they're I don't that, I don't that's a good point. I don't feel like but they were the bad guys. No. They, they kind were of are saving the but world. But they kind of aren't. Yeah, but they were saving the world. Right. By right? by by torturing people to death. I mean, th- so there's that underlying thing of you know, how many people is it acceptable to kill to save the world? Well, there's there's, you know, seven or eight of these organizations across the world. Everybody's mm-hmm. got to put on their show and somebody has to has to somebody has to sort of win win that game. But but if you if you think about even that, the organization was there to protect the planet. Right. And um 
And that's why the, the you know, the Bradley Whitford character, I, I wanted him. I was so sad when he met his. <laughs> why were he, you sad? He was happy. He got to finally meet a he mermaid. Got he, he, he got right. his wish. Oh, I was so sad, though, when, when you know, he departed the the movie. Um, I love that. Li- oh, you're kidding me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I am I'm a, I am a huge West Wing fan, and for me, he played his exact character on West Wing, only transported into this world right. where um, he has to, you know. And he wasn't a zealot. He 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 had second thoughts. I wanted him to to stop the madness, um, and he couldn't. Uh, you know, he he was a brilliant foil for for everything. But I think the organization, um, you know, is caught in the same trap uh, as as the the kids who go to the cabin. Oh, sure. Um, you know, they're set up for failure and they they have to make the best of it um, and show their true characters by trying to do that. It does raise the philosophical question, though, as to whether the ends justify the means and, and to what extent, at what point do the ends justify the means? And it does seem that this is one of those cases where they really do, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's what makes the organization not truly the bad guys. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, they feel like the bad guys because they're torturing our heroes, our protagonists, and they're trying to kill our protagonists. So it confuses you just enough that you are forced to ask some of these questions, which I think is really interesting. And I would agree with you, Robin, about what the answer to that question is, but it does make you ask the question. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Horror movies typically don't do that sort of thing. No, Mm. no. And in that, this is an exceptional horror movie. I just... um... It, it, I, don't I, like horror movies. And I truly, don't like the supernatural. I truly enjoyed um, our previous movie um, a lot better. <laughs> it, you know, that's, that's a great thing when you're doing a movie podcast and you're talking about a movie and and you're in summary, it's I really enjoyed the previous movie. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that see, speaks and, volumes. And, you know, and I like horror movies enough that I will go see horror movies in the theater. I'm I'm not a connoisseur, but I, I mm-hmm. enjoy horror movies. And this was a fresh enough take on this to make me very happy watching it. Yeah. It, it was for me too. I, I, how do I put this? I avoid horror movies because I find them shallow and superficial and juvenile and uninteresting. If I find something that looks like it has something unique about it, then I will typically go out of my way to see it. In the theater, even if I know it's not going to be wonderful, Happy Death Day was not wonderful, but it was unique and it was different. And it there was nothing about it that really felt like a stereotype. And it wasn't wonderful, but it was enjoyable enough that I don't at all regret going to see it. The Cabin in the Woods is another one. Get Out is another one. A Quiet mm-hmm. Place is another one. I like movies that have something to say, have you ask questions have a unique presentation of the story, have some sort of meaning. Mm-hmm. But if there's not that thing that catches me, I will avoid it like the plague, e- not just in the theaters, but even on Netflix or DVD or whatever. I just right. am not interested. And, and this had enough different stuff about it that made it 
good. I mean, you know, yes. I, I'm not a horror movie for a movie just to go see gore because that's not me. I mean, I'd rather have a psychological horror movie that makes you think and makes right. you afraid for what the things you didn't see, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. So. And even in this movie, the big slaughter scene moved mm-hmm. the story along. Number one. Mm-hmm. Number two. It was fun. It was like it was a, fun. a yeah, checklist. I mean, oh, hey, look in the background. There, there's a there's a werewolf. Oh, and hey, over there, there's a dragon. And oh, look, it's that it, thing from like that other movie with the other things. And, and, and it was and, almost and like for a me checklist. It got to be, it, for me, it got to be funny where you just get that whole elevator scene where you hear the ding, and you know it's going to be like, oh, it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, like, I can't wait. Yeah, ding. <laughs> it, right. it was fun instead of like scary. It was it was fun. And, and there were scary movies, uh, scary moments in the movie. It does actually count as a horror movie. It's not something like mm. Tucker and Dale where it's a comedy and there's a little bit of, you know, gross scenes thrown in. But this is an actual horror film. There are scary moments. But it was fun. All right. So in closing... Would you recommend this? And I think a lot of horror movie uh, buffs have probably already seen it. But for those of us who are not, would you recommend watching this film? Yes or no? Robin, we are going to start with you. No. Sorry, guys. Got to go with no. All right. But you have to explain. Uh, You have to summarize. Um. I, I don't think the ending is is the the payoff for the the investing of the time. I um yeah. Okay. Lou, what about you? Oh, uh, I would have to say yes cuz I mean I think it's a fun ride. I think the what well I you know I might agree with Robin a little bit in the ending was not what it could have been. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's worth it getting to the end. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say I got to the end of the movie and went, really, that's all we get? No, (laughs) I I, I got to the ending and I was uh, sufficiently, you know, satisfied. So, yeah, it was good. I would say yes. Regarding the ending, the very last scene, we did get to that and I was kind of thinking, huh. Well, that's not what I would have (laughs) done. But okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that was literally exactly what I thought. And yet I enjoyed everything up until that last scene so thoroughly that I, I didn't care. I still walked out saying, I, I literally said to people, I'm okay. Never seeing a horror movie again. Like this is the last horror movie I ever need to see. It hit everything perfectly as far as what I would want to see from something that qualifies as a horror movie. And I would recommend it to people who don't typically like horror movies. If you can tolerate a horror movie. I mean, if you're just so against Mm -hmm. them that they, they just turn you right off. So be it. But I think that this was clever. It was well-written. As you said, Robin, the acting was great. It it was Mm -hmm. really on the spot. Mm -hmm. It was something different. It had some substance to it. It was a fun ride. And, the ending, I can completely understand where it might have been a letdown for some people, but I would recommend it. I still think that this is 
probably my favorite actual horror movie. I think well, I'd, I'd have I mean, to sit down and really figure it far. out. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I know you don't like horror movies, so it's kind I of don't. bad for you to say it, but I mean, right. you know, I think other horror movies are very well done that are real horror movies. This one to me is mm-hmm. a, you know, not quite a spoof, but you know, in that same vein, yeah, uh, I mean, I put things like the thing, or even the horror, or you know, some of the classic stuff mm-hmm. um, up there. I'm not, I'm not saying this is the best. It's not the best, and I'll acknowledge that. Uh, but it's one of my favorites, and might be my mm-hmm. favorite. If not, like I haven't really sat down and figured it out. I haven't looked at flick chart or something like that. But it's right, right up there in the top handful for me. So right, and that's a personal thing for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just a personal thing. It's it's not the best. All right. Well, that I think is going to do it for this episode of Movie Chatter covering The Cabin in the Woods, the one I was dreading the most because I knew if there was one that was going to turn Robin off, (laughs) it would be this one. You you did (laughs) predict it. I did. I did predict it. It was easy to predict. But I will say (laughs) that it surprised me what it was that uh, you weren't a fan of. I did not predict Mm. that. And that was very interesting. Gentlemen, I'm a complicated woman. Yes. I hear that a lot from your husband. So. (laughs) Oh, oh, he went there. The homework for next week. Do we want to do Zombieland? Uh, What about Get Out? It's a little bit more recent. Mm? It is. And. um, Yeah. We can do Get Out. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the other thing is too. We're kind of, we're halfway through October. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if this won't be next episode, won't be out before Halloween. We want to shift gears and go in a different direction already. And I'm not opposed to seeing Get Out or Zombieland. Hmm. Because Zombieland, I've seen and I love. Um, Get Out, I had not seen but want to. And Robin, you have not seen Zombieland, but you have seen Get Out, correct? Mm-hmm. But I mean, okay. we could save. We could save zombie zombie land for a genre um, episode on on you know that certainly zombie movies have have you know sort of a standalone place. We don't have to link them. That is true. It doesn't to have holiday. to be Halloween. Yeah, based. we could do that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't and, mind doing that. And yeah, a bunch I, I would of those. say it's not a horror movie. I mean, there are differences between zombie movies and horror movies to some mm-hmm. extent. And mm-hmm. you know, we could do um, Twenty Eight Days Later. Mm-hmm. And some of the the more classic zombie movies, we could, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So why don't we do that? We've been putting Get Out off for quite a while. Let's let's do Get Out. Sounds good. So that's your homework. If you have not yet seen Get Out, you have one week. Get to it. (laughs) So. We would like to hear your thoughts. Have you seen The Cabin in the Woods? And if so... What did you think about it? Is Robin completely off her rocker about the ending of the movie? Or do you agree that it was unfulfilling and, and should have been something different? Let us know. Email us at moviechatter at randomchatter.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at randomchatter. You can find all of our shows at randomchatter.com. And we would love it if you would help support both the show and the network itself. You can leave us reviews wherever you're getting this podcast from. And if you've left a review for the network, we wouldn't mind maybe if you also left a review for the show itself. It would help get us noticed. It would help increase the audience and the community of which you are a part. 
and we value you being a part of the community. We would love it if you would help share the show out on social media. Tell your friends about us. When you're going to see a movie and you're talking about movies, let people know that Movie Chatter's out there and, and that they've got some interesting shows for people to listen to. Again, like we always say, it's okay to lie about this. Don't lie to your friends about other things, but you can tell people we're interesting and cool and awesome. That's okay. We would also love it if you would hang out with us in Discord. If you go to randomchatter.com slash Discord, you can join our Discord community for free. You can participate on your computer. You can participate on a tablet or a smartphone. We've got a lot of wonderful people there. Some great audience members with a lot of conversations about a ton of different things. We've got a different channel for each one of the shows on the network. We have additional channels all over the place for people who help support us through Patreon. Even if it's just a dollar a month, that's fine. That's enough to, to help us keep the lights on and help support the network. And then we can give something back to you by unlocking the rest of the Discord channel. For more information on that, go to randomchatter.com slash Patreon. And then finally, the music you hear in this podcast is Secret Agent Business by Blue Stolly. And as silly as the sentence sounds, all trademarks are owned by their respective owners. Until next time, keep the chatter going and take care. Take care.